gather every Sunday. We sing together and we listen to what the Lord wants to say to us through his messenger. And I think sometimes we sing the songs and they become familiar to us and the, the melodies become familiar and the words become familiar. But I wonder, any of, any of you ever find yourself singing these things throughout the week just out of nowhere? Random Tuesday morning? Yeah. <laughs> There's a point to them. There, there are prayers, really. There are prayers put to music. And this next song we're about to sing, um, I think about, uh, think about um, what, what God has taken our family through. And there's never been a more true prayer put to music than the words of this next song. So I just invite you this morning, if you're praying today as we sing, there's zero shame in simply listening and allowing the words to speak to you. There's, there's, there's all expectation to pray what we're singing today. So whether you're singing it loudly or you're standing and listening to the voices of those around you, this is our prayer this morning. And I just invite you to continue to pray and to worship with us. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God Cause all my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice You have led me through the fire 
in darkest night you are close like no other i've known you as a father i've known you as a friend and i have lived in the goodness of god the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. It's your all my life you have been so so good with every breath that i am able i will sing of the goodness of god yes i will sing of the goodness of god i will sing the goodness of God. Lord, I come and I confess bowing here I find my Without you, oh, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Do you need him this morning, church? Sing it out. Lord, I need you.
Some Sundays, the words of our songs are the best words that we can pray. Lord, regardless of how we feel or the condition of our minds or our hearts as we come into this place this morning, Lord, in a good place and a bad place, we need you. Father, thank you today that in our need, you do not leave us wanting. That, Lord, that you fill us and you fulfill us and you pour yourself out on us over and over and over again where we need you the most, where we're not even aware of where we need you, God. You are there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you do not leave us, but that you walk with us, beside us, in front of us, behind us, above us, below us, Lord. You surround us with your presence. And so, Father, we just ask you continue to do so this morning. We know that we are in your presence today. May we continue to be aware of what you are saying to us through Pastor Brian this morning, of what you're saying to us through our interaction with each other in the halls, but what you're saying to us as we go throughout our day. Thank you for this time that we have, for the time that you've provided for us to meet together with each other and with you. Continue to be with us now. Amen. Maybe see. It is good to be back with you. It feels like forever. Uh, quite that long, but certainly it's uh, been some time, had some time away, and we, we thank you for allowing us that, it's, but it's, it's good to get back home, so to speak, and kind of get back to normal, and can't wait to come to the office tomorrow so that I can get some rest. Uh, <laughs> it's been an incredibly busy season. Uh, it's been a great season in the life of our church, and, and, and not just our local church, but in our, our general church. I've been a busy six weeks, if you will. Let me go back about six weeks. We had General Assembly, which every four years, because of COVID, this was now a six-year cycle where we've had our General Assembly. 
where our, the Church of the Nazarene elected two new general superintendents. That was a very busy and exciting time. Uh, we had our children participate in World Quiz, which was really beautiful to watch. We then went to District Assembly not too long after that, where we elected a new district superintendent, uh, Pastor Andy Monin, uh, who was a pastor of the Valley Church in Piqua, has been elected as our new district superintendent. You may remember Reverend Jeff Kunselman being with you during your pastoral search. Uh, now, Reverend Andy Monin will take over in his role, and you'll have an opportunity to meet him, hopefully, in the, within the next year. Uh, but he brings some new ideas, uh, just some uh, new way of thinking to our district, uh, and some very critical days in, the, in, our, in our church as a whole, as, as culture continues to pull people away. So well, there's some exciting things going on in our general church, in our district church. And, and at the same time, we recognize one year together. You know, this is a pastor, congregational family, kind of a thing, something that God has done. And uh, I'm happy about that. I hope that you are as well. And in parallel to that, uh, we had 13 people recently go to a Celebrate Recovery service in Marion. Uh, just kind of scouting that out, looking at what God might have for us. And there'll be some more information on that coming soon as we, we are very, very convinced that, that God wants us to, to dive into, not dive into, but very, uh, to, to engage with those that need help with recovery in our culture, in our world today. Uh, that there's just a growing need for that, and the church needs to be involved in it. To hear more about that in days to come, and simultaneously, our vision team continues to meet, and we're making slow yet deliberate progress as we try to discern what it is God has for us, who He wants us to be in the days ahead. I've had conversation with your church board about missions and and, and, and kind of not re-engaging, but, but re-emphasizing our, the missional identity that we have as the Church of the Nazarene and what that will look like for us in our community and in the world that God has called us to serve and to love. Uh, we've had conversations about discipleship, uh, Sunday school, service models. Uh, we're looking at a lot of different things. So just as you think you start to get comfortable, that's when things start to ramp up. So uh, then you, you throw in Nazarene Youth Conference, which I know Pastor Josh shared some highlights with you last week as, as he led our teens to Tampa, Florida. Uh, what, why I went to Nazarene Youth Conference was a little bit unique. You may not know this, but prior to coming uh, to Marysville from, from West Virginia, I was the West Virginia North District uh, NYC coordinator. So we were about two years into the planning when God called me to come here, and that left a, f a few back there in a little bit of a panic because they weren't sure what was going to happen with our trip. So your, your church board allowed me to go and to finish out that responsibility. So while I did get to see our teens, I didn't hang out with them very much. Uh, they were kind of doing their thing. I was leading about 75 people from West Virginia North through, through their obligations and their opportunities they had at Nazarene Youth Conference. I had to spend a little bit of time with them after NYC in Orlando for about a half an hour, get to, get to hear their hearts and hear what God was doing or had done in their lives. Very exciting. And I hope that you have, as Pastor Josh encouraged you last week, ask them about their experience, what God did, and what he's continued to do in and through them. So it's been a very powerful season, a lot going on. You think summer's a time for relaxation, well, not for pastors all the time. I'm going to encourage you, if you, have, if you like to do this type of thing, go back online. You can watch the, the services from Nazarene Youth Conference. You will not be disappointed. Uh, very, some very exchange, uh, powerful times. And, and I'm not one that likes to go to conferences and then comes back and just speaks about what they've heard. Uh, you kind of hear that a lot. But at the same time, that's often how God works. As God pours into me or into pastors, pastors then obviously then pour back out onto those in which they get to serve. And you're going to hear a little bit about that from me today, but it's a continuation of a conversation we'd already started. It's been this dialogue that we've been having uh, about holiness 
And you, you factor in everything that we've been going through as a faith family over these last six to eight weeks and the conversation we've been having about the Holy Spirit and of having evidence of the Holy Smoke in our lives. And, and it was time for us, I needed it, or I didn't recognize it, to get away, uh, to kind of take a break. Uh, my family, when we travel any long distances, we drive at night. And if you have kids, you understand and we drove at night to go to vacation. We drove during the day to come home, and I, I regret that. <laughs> uh, but I, we drove on uh, Friday night to Saturday morning. We, we drove through the night, or I drove through the night. Everybody else slept, and I didn't realize how tired I had become. And then Sunday, I slept about 15 hours, and I needed it. I needed it. I just could not stay awake. Everybody else is enjoying the first day of vacation, and I'm just, I'm just conked out. Wherever it is I would sit down, I would fall asleep. But... It was God's way of saying, relax, take a break. Uh, not because you've earned it, because you've got a lot more waiting for you when you get back. <laughs> Rest. Sit with me. Let's talk for a while. Sometimes we miss those opportunities because we're wanting to get to the next thing. God's been stirring my heart, and I, I think this is just a continuation of, of what he has been doing. I just... I, I'm amazed at times when I see how he's working, and I don't know why, because that's just how he does things. But I continue to be drawn to the steam, this idea of holiness, what it is and what it isn't, what it looks like in our lives. And if we go back a few weeks, we've talked about how holiness uh, is, is reflected in what we give. We can't give what we don't have. So we, we give out of what God pours into us. We talked about how the world will at times, the experiences we go through, how, how life has a way of covering up evidence of the Holy Smoke in our lives. How we're called to leave an aroma that's pleasing to God, the things that we do and the way that we treat one another. Curiously, as Ryan shared while Josh and I were at Nazarene Youth Conference, he continued that dialogue, asking the question, what's your Barkley? Anybody going an ultra-marathon through the woods in the last couple of weeks? So it's a bold invitation, one that God extends to each of us for those who are willing to take it on. Pastor Josh continued last week the conversation when he shared with you this idea that water needs to be in motion, needs to move. If it's not in motion, if it doesn't move, it starts to become stagnant, stinks disease, bugs, mosquitoes, you name it, they, they like water that doesn't move. So does Satan. We're called to be water that's in motion. But it took me back to this service that we had at Nazarene Youth Conference. Uh, there was a pastor named Rich Velotis, and even before going, uh, Josh had shared how he was very excited about what Rich might share. He'd heard Rich before, and I had not previously. And Rich Velotis shared on the topic of holiness. It was almost as if God was saying, pay attention. You ever get to the point where you feel like you kind of have a good grasp of a topic? Oh, Lord, I understand this. I've got a pretty good feel for this. I know what it means. I'm, we've been talking about it. God says, pay attention. You need to hear this. Rich shared an illustration that just grabbed me, convicted me. He talked about <clears throat> tea bags or brewing tea. Now, I'm, I'm not a coffee drinker, I just never required a taste for it, but I do like tea, 
And hot tea on occasion. I'll, I'll drink a little bit of hot tea. And you're, I know what you're thinking. You think that's a coffee cup, Pastor Brian. It's, only, it's, a, it's a coffee cup until I pop my pinky out. Then it becomes a teacup. So we're going to do the best I can with this little pinky out. This is a teacup today. Okay, got my pinky out. That's what they tell you. And when you, when you brew tea or when you, you make tea, of course you put the pot on the kettle, unless you have a Keurig and you kind of do it the cheating way. And you turn the stove on, and the water gets hot, and a tea kettle whistles, and you pour the water into the cup, and you let the tea bag steep. Let it soak a little bit. Now, the type of tea, it kind of has a, an impact on the, how this works. I didn't know all this. For instance, uh, depending on what type of tea you might use, your water needs to be a different temperature. Who knew? I didn't know that. Or, or, or the length of time that the tea bag's allowed to steep is dependent upon the type of tea that you're trying to make. So I wonder, why is that important? Why does that matter? Well, if the water is too hot or you steep the tea bag too long, then well, the tea starts to taste bitter. Or if, if the water is too cold or you steep the tea bag too short of an amount of time, then you might miss out on the flavor or the antioxidants that the tea offers. You miss out on the benefits of having tea to begin with. Now, typically, there's two ways to steep a tea bag. For some, and I've been this person in the past you're a dipper take that tea bag and you dip that you like to see the color change you go up and down and you might let it sit there for a little bit but you just kind of go back to dipping but others you're a dweller you put that tea bag in there and you can walk away you can wait two three five minutes however long it takes because you know that by being being patient it's going to result in the best cup of tea or the cup of tea that you desire as he was sharing this illustration in this arena full of teenagers, God began speaking to a pastor. Brian, are you a dipper? Are you a dweller? He asked this question, do I worship God or do I worship the experience of God? Experience of God meaning do I dip into the preference or the style or convenience as long as it fits what's going on in my life? Is my worship dependent upon external things? Is my worship a result of my dwelling with him? As I sat there, God put a word on my heart. And then I need to confess to you. I spent a lot of time in ministry, busy, jumping from thing to thing. As if that's a measure of progress or success or achievement. I spent a lot of time dipping. What God wants first of me me to dwell everything else that comes after that takes care of itself if I get the first part right I wonder for each of us if that's not a relevant question that we should address today do I worship God or do I worship the experience of God do I dip into God's word do I dip into prayer do I dip into worship or is my reading of his word, is my time of prayer, or my acts of worship, are they a result of my dwelling? You see the difference? 
One puts the actions first. The other puts the actions as a response. When I dwell with him, he leads me to his word. If I dwell with him, I anxiously desire those times of prayer. If I dwell with him, I naturally have to worship. But if we get the order wrong, it's like a checklist. Oh, did I read the Bible today? Yep. Did I pray today? Yep. Did I worship today? Oh, yeah, I did that. Did I go to church? Yeah, I did that. Did I go to Sunday school? I did that. I keep going up and down. And the difference is in between, I can do what I want. I can fill my life with the things that interest me. I, I can adjust my priorities so that I can have my cake and eat it too. And what we end up with is water that's not moving is holy smoke that's been covered up is we look at the idea of a Barclay challenge well that's really good for someone else but too much for me and we become content <clears throat> with weak bitter tasteless God has so much more for us. See, the longer the bag sits, obviously, eventually it sits for too long and it doesn't taste as well. Because there comes a point in time where we have to put into action what it is that the dwelling calls us to do. The longer the bag sits, the stronger the flavor. And the longer we dwell in his presence, the closer we feel. Dwelling church helps us keep it real. God took me to Matthew chapter 19. It's a passage you're familiar with. We've, I don't know if I've shared it with you here during my time here or not, but it's, it's, it's an account in Matthew chapter 19, beginning verse 16, where uh, this young man comes to Jesus with a really serious question. And we read in verse 16, it says, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Now, when you start to read and to pick at words and to kind of really pay attention to the questions that are being asked. Anytime someone asks Jesus a question, we really should pay attention because the answer is usually pretty profound for us. But in this question, I, I was grabbed by the word get. What must I do? What good thing must I do to get eternal life? That word kind of grabbed me. So I wanted to do a little more research. I started to look at other translations. And other translations, other than the New International Version, which I do preach from typically in the message, uh, those are the only two that use the word get. We see the words to have. What good thing must I do to have eternal life? What must I do to obtain? What must I do to possess? What must I do to gain? What must I do to receive? What must I do to secure, to achieve, or to assure myself? All of them, though, speak to this selfish ambition and goal. So I think the NIV and the message kind of get it right. You can take away the fancy words, but you end up with this the same question. What must I do, teacher? What good thing must I do to get eternal life. He, he wants to live forever. He, he understands that's his goal, but he lo he's looking at the goal through the wrong lens. It's, it's not the right goal. Getting simply speaks to a transaction. What must I do, teacher, so that I could receive eternal life, so that I can live forever, so that I can keep experiencing and enjoying this life that right now is going so well for me? Scripture calls him a rich young man. So life was pretty easy for him in these days, easier than for most. Jesus responds in verse 17, Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. 
If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. At this, the young man gets excited. Oh, yes. I, that, that's exactly what I was hoping you would say. Because I kind of do that already. But, but just to be sure, which one? <laughs> which, which ones should I keep? Let me go back a little bit. Jesus asks him a question. Why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good. And in what Jesus is speaking to, he kind of gets to the heart of really what the young man's asking. It's a Greek word, agathos. And agathos, it speaks to being of good constitution or of good nature. Because of sin, let us all know that we are subject to sinful nature. So Jesus says there's only one who is of good nature. Without sin, one who is not subject to sinful nature, and one who is not subject to the consequences of sin. Of course, he's speaking of himself and of God the Father. He's trying to make sure that the goal or what the young man is seeking is the right thing. So all you got to do is keep the commandments, and then you'll kind of get what it is you want. You'll have the answer that you need. You can jump to John 14, 15, where Jesus teaches his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commands. You'll keep my commandments. You'll, you'll do what I've instructed you to do if you love me. Here, this rich young ruler, this rich young man says, oh, great. Which ones should I keep? Did, did, I never realized there was an option. But, but I kind of get it, though. Because even as a parent myself, and my, my kids will say, we'll give them instructions. We need you to clean your room. Okay, well, well how clean do you really mean? You've been there, right? We need you to wash the dishes. Which ones? The dirty ones. You can leave the clean ones in the cupboard. Just wash the dirty dishes. There, there's some answers that they just shouldn't need a further explanation. And this is one of those answers. Jesus says, keep the commandments. <laughs> well, Jesus, there's an awful lot of those. Jesus, which one should I keep? It's a funny question. But it's also a very telling one. See, the way the young man asks the question gives us insight to how he views faith. His faith is a checklist. He's got this teacup, and he's dipping. Okay, I've done that, and I've done that, and I've done that, and I've done that. Which do I still lack, Jesus? I want to make sure that I don't miss a dip. And what Jesus is saying, if you just would dwell with me, you wouldn't have to ask these questions to begin with. It's not a checklist to be followed. They're not tasks to be completed. Dwelling helps us come to know who he is. But, but Jesus, he, he kind of humors the young man. He, he, he gives him a list. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. These aren't, these aren't new to the, any of us, right? We understand these. We know where these are coming from. Actually, you see the young man smile. Yes, all these I've kept. But just to make sure, what do I still lack? I think the question, and he's either fishing for a compliment, or, and this is what I really believe, because when you're in the presence of Jesus, I think what's missing becomes noticeable and real. I, I think in the presence of Jesus, he recognizes there's still something not quite right. What do I still lack? Am I willing to acknowledge something is still missing? See, when we genuinely worship God, 
when we're in the presence of, of the moving of God, we're quickly made aware of and we're led to the question, what do I still lack? As I sat in that arena that night, with this imagery of a teacup, I was left with the question, God, what do I still lack? What am I still missing? To be honest, he's still showing me the answer to that question. He says, I've, I've confessed to you that some things I need to change or some other confessions I need to make for, for some that aren't here this morning. Things I've got to make right. Uh, I'm not just dipping in my pastoral life, but my marital life and my parental life. Up and down. Whatever's convenient or comfortable or preferential. There's still a lot that I lack. While it's humbling, I'm also glad. Aren't you thankful for a Holy Spirit? For a God that loves you enough to show you what you lack? Not to condemn you, just to make sure that we stay in the midst of the relationship with him that he desires that we have? I didn't do anything to deserve that. God still loves me that much. Jesus responds in verse 21, if you want to be perfect meaning complete, fulfilled. No, not, not perfect as in ever making a mistake. If you want to be fulfilled, if you want to feel good about where you're at, if you want to be comfortable, if you want to know without a doubt that the goal you're chasing is the right goal, <laughs> go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. and You will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow. Scripture tells us when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. As I was reading that verse, another word jumped out. It's the smallest words that tend to grab my attention in Scripture. He went away sad. He wasn't heartbroken. He wasn't crushed. He wasn't just in anguish. He just went away sad because at the end of the day, yeah, well, that's disappointing. But I still got all my stuff. Still have my preferences. Still have my things that I like. And he made a choice. He chose to keep dipping. When Jesus was offering an opportunity to dwell. I mean, sad because he couldn't get everything he wanted but also sad because, well, he still had stuff to fall back on. See, dwelling, it's a great measure, or is measured, if you will, in, in holiness. Dwelling leads to us loving well. We, we talked to you about loving horizontally, how, how our relationship, salvation is this vertical, and holiness is now this horizontal expression of, of this relationship with God. And, and when we dwell in his presence, when we spend time with him, when we really get to know him, we start to get the horizontal right. This unconditional love. Not love because they do what we want them to do, or look the way we want them to look, or say the things that we want them to say, because we just love them. Because of what we're called to do. Of a 
Lotus also shared in his message that, that holiness has often been used to marginalize and to judge. And, and, and I think in the history of the tradition of our church that there's been a season where that has been accurate and true. But that's not what holiness is. Holiness is a result of dwelling. Uh, we're called to be holy as God is holy. And it's a call to heart purity that's best exemplified in how we ultimately love one another. Not in the lists, or the do's and the don'ts, or the dips. It's in the dwelling that we find, we recognize this, or have this strong presence of God in our lives. Elizabeth Barrett Browning, writing in response to Moses' encounter with the burning bush, writes, the earth is crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes, and the rest sit around and pluck blackberries. What she's saying is that every bush in our world, our culture, in our lives today is a fire with God. But we don't see it because we're too busy picking blackberries to recognize we're standing on holy ground. See, God invites us to dwell. And in the dwelling, we see the fire. In response to the dwelling, we become, as Moses did, these instruments of salvation to God's people who are lost and in bondage. That's a whole other sermon. We're going to save that one for later. My hope this morning is simply this. That we're willing to answer the question, am I a dipper or a dweller? Do I see the bush around me on fire? Or I just see blackberries to be picked. The response to those questions tell a lot about where we're at, but also show us perhaps where we need to be. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We'll keep this simple. We're going to have a time of dwelling today. So here's our tendency. We might hear a stirring message from God. We might experience his spirit moving among us. And we, oh, Lord, that's great. I'm going to go home and change that this afternoon, right after lunch or after the ball game or after my kids are done with whatever activity they're doing. And we go home. We mean well, but, you know, we're, we're tired. It's been a long day. It's, and we'll start tomorrow. And then tomorrow never comes. So we're going to spend some time dwelling this morning. And Amy's going to come, and I have some friends that are come help us today. And we're going to steep, if you will. We're going to soak in God's word and in worship. And here's my instructions for you. If you want to sit, sit. If at any point you want to stand, stand. If you want to come sit in the front row, come sit in the front row. If you want to come pray, come pray. It doesn't matter. Just dwell. Forget about your neighbor for a few moments. If you're visiting with us, this is all new to you, I invite you to just dwell. If there's, there's no greater gift I can give you as a passion, just dwell in his presence this morning. Just dwell. Listen. Receive. Hear. Respond. If you want to leave, well, feel free. It's okay. Choose today stop dipping and to dwell.
Psalm 46, 1 through 11. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So be still, my soul. 
that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All who are tired, all who are weighed down by life, come, come to Jesus.
Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms hymns and songs from the spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
service where God spoke to me. The Lotus kind of asked the question again, do I worship God or do I worship the experience of God? How do you know the difference? It's a simple enough answer when the experience is over or when things don't match my style or preference or convenience or what I like, do I still keep showing up? Because that's what dwelling leads to. Keep showing up. Keep dipping into his word, digging into his word. We dwell in the prayer and we worship him. And when we do these things consistently, God does his part. He speaks. He talks to us. He shares with us. puts others on our hearts. We become aware of issues that people have that maybe they don't even know they have themselves. This morning for the one who has some issues with their lungs, with breathing, whatever that issue might be, God sees you. It's revealed your need to someone else. That's what dwelling does. The one that God has put upon your heart this morning is not by accident, by His Spirit. 
Can you see it, church? What God can do through a people that dwell in him? Can you see what God can do, not just in a church, but in a community? We're in the middle of a community, there's a church that dwells in him. You throw away the lists. just respond to his leading. We become one with him. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, consequently you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone. We are part of something much bigger than ourselves. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Father, I thank you for the invitation you give to us and are giving to us right now to dwell with you. thank you, Lord, for the ones today that have heard you. As you've pointed out, the, perhaps the seasons or the times or the ways in our lives in which we dip. We do the in and out. We do the up and down. God, I thank you for the ones today that have dwelt with you, that are dwelling with you even now. Now, Lord, we know real life brings responsibilities. It brings conflicts, it brings challenges, things that get in the way of our dwelling. Lord, I pray that we would choose today not to just go down our checklist, but rather as a response to our time with you, desire more of you. Lord, for this one, having issues with their lungs, we pray over them in belief and confidence, God, that this is of you. We don't have to know the details you do, and you've already revealed them to some, and glad I thank you for that. Now, Lord, do a work. Do a miracle, God, I pray. Let us see what dwelling brings to your Let us see, Lord, what a horizontal expression of holiness does for those around us. May we not be ashamed. May we not be hesitant. May we not, be, Lord, be looking over our shoulders or wondering what others think. God, I pray we would get past all of that stuff that Satan uses to keep us bound and ineffective. And that, Father, we would step out in boldness as we see in Scripture we don't have to look at the stories we read in the New Testament. Oh, that was then. No, Lord, that's now. That same spirit is here now. For those who would just choose to dwell, become so much more than an experience. Becomes a life. 
all the other little things that, that we tend to get stuck on, Lord, they just melt away. And we become free as, as the people of God to, to reach out into our community to, 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 to share the good news, a life-saving gospel. Feel it, Lord. I know there's still some that are holding on to their up and down, trying to rationalize and justify that it's okay. Father, I pray that we would be an unsettled people until we learn to just dwell in you. Continue what you've started, God, I pray. Be glorified in us, Lord, as we are sent out. May we share, Father, good news, hope, our stories, our testimonies of a God who desires nothing more than for us to choose to dwell with him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go. You are sent. Share what it is God's poured into you. Pour it out into someone else. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you next week.